the American Theatre Wing, and the New York Public Library for the Performing Arts bring you the American Theatre Wing's Guide to Careers in the Theatre. This session, the Marketing Director. Hi, I'm Ted Chapin, and with me today is Marjorie Singer, one of Broadway's premier marketing experts. And uh, my first question to you, Marjorie, is in the most distinct way possible, can you define for us what marketing bro the Broadway theater is? I would say marketing is the act of buying and selling. Basically, what our job is to do is to put rear ends in seats. Which, which uh, I guess one would assume is a job of others. I mean, I, in, in a funny way, I feel as if a marketing director is a very new job in the theater. And um, it, it, is that a job that was covered by advertising in the past? You know what, there's a whole group of people in addition to the producers and the general managers that work on the show on a day-to-day -day basis. We have an advertising agency who controls the creative and developing the ads as well as making the media buys. We have a press agent who, whose job is to publicize the show and set up interviews for the cast persons. Uh, then we have a promotion person whose job it is to develop promotions with third parties and uh, companies and service organizations. There's group sales. There's direct mail. It's all part of the marketing process. That's great. Well, thank you. This interview's been nice. Now, let's go <laughs> back and let's go right through that and, and, and pick it apart a, a little bit. First of all, when a, when a show is conceived for Broadway, and as, uh, assuming that a producer has decided I'm going to do you know, a revival of 42nd Street, for, you know, for, for example. How early, how early are you brought into the process of sort of obviously thinking about how to fill the seats? I think the smart producer brings in a marketing person as early as possible, and sometimes it's even done before the show is actually uh, finalized to come to Broadway because there's a lot of marketing to look at. When should the show come in? Who is the competition? And what influences when the show, show should come in? Uh, what the competition is. Okay. when the show can physically get done, if you have a star that you want to get, when they're available to do it. So can, can you urge to say, don't, this is a, that's Passover, this is you know, not a... Absolutely. I think all of that is marketing. What theater is going to be available? Do you have a house that has the largest number of seats possible? Is it going to be too small of a house where you can't generate the income that you need to do to break even? What are the touring rights? Um, when is the cast available that you want? What is the pricing structure? That's mm -hmm. all marketing. Mm -hmm. And assuming that, that part of what your responsibility is to get, to get the bums on the seats, as, as you had said, is, um, is to figure out what is a clever way. I mean, I, I know that there are some people who think you can stand on the street, and occasionally for t television shows, people are say, come see the show, and they hand out tickets. And a lot of times, people are not taking those tickets because they don't want something that is just being given away. But the tickets that the producer has is a valuable tool for you, right? That's your main tool. As a promotion person, absolutely. I think what's very important, because we have limited dollars coming in, we only have a certain number of seats to sell. And anything we don't sell is gone. Right. That, Unlike that, that, Pepsi, who has unlimited time and they can build a strategy slowly and position themselves in a certain way over a long period of time, we don't have that. You have that. a thousand seats every night. We have a thousand night. seats that night, and what we don't sell, we lost. Like an airplane. When the plane takes off, those seats are, done, but are dead. But look at what the airplanes can do that we can't do. They can change their price daily, right. and they can change various prices daily. We're, we're unable to do that for a variety of reasons, and believe me, a lot of people are talking about that now. Is there a way that theater can do that and make that happen based on supply and demand? Right, and of course, the airlines, 
the farther in advance, the cheaper the tickets, and the closer, the more expensive, and the theater is sort of the, the reverse. The theater is becoming both. Um, very often, the producers are start, uh, starting the public marketing with direct mail and discount offers because very often the general public is waiting to see what kind of reviews the show gets before right. they make up their minds. So there's a good chance we're going to have unsold seats during the preview time right. and that that's a good time to discount and make special opportunities available. Let's focus on the, on the preview period because I think that, that's obviously a very Im important thing because part of your, your task is to, is to get people to a show that they may not know. I mean, it hasn't been around. It hasn't been on Rosie O'Donnell. It hasn't been in, in the newspapers. So, I mean, I see here you, you have something um, from 42nd Street, which is basically color your way to Broadway with Wendy's. Um, explain what that is. And, and I mean, that, here's a show that as we're having this conversation, it's only previewing. It hasn't opened yet. Right. Uh, that was a promotion that we did with Wendy's and Channel 9. And uh, Wendy's conducted it because what we're doing as promoters is giving our partners the opportunity to present their promotion to their customers. And Wendy's your partner in this Wendy's instance. and Channel 9 were our partner was conducted in over 300 Wendy's. They created 3 million of these tray liners whereby children came in and colored uh, the tray liner and entered a contest. What we did was provide the prize packages at no cost, which included tickets to the show, a grand prize winner got a backstage tour, there was show merchandise, and we provided that all at no cost. What Wendy's gave us then was point of sale, uh, posters on the show in all of the locations, and Channel 9 aired over 60 television spots that promoted the contest. That was worth over $100,000 of exposure to the Broadway show at at no cost. And uh, when you say $100,000 worth of, uh, of exposure, that's, that's the cost of buying those television ads. Right. If, you if, would, if, if the, the producer had had to buy those 60 spots, it would have cost over $100,000. So here you had Wendy's saying, come in to our location and enter to win tickets to this fabulous show. And uh, they portrayed us very positively. And it was fun. And it was entertaining. So it. Uh, a promotion has to be a win-win situation with your partner. It's not paid advertising. It's right. not press. Uh, you're asking your partner to support the promotion with their advertising dollars. Right. So they have very real needs that they have to get out of the promotion. In the case of something like that is they're hoping, because the prize package is so valuable, um, that they're hoping tens of thousands of people come into the location to enter to win and thereby buy their food product. Right. And if, if they made three million of those, if they printed three million of those, how many tickets did you have actually to give away? Uh, for this, I think we gave 80 tickets. There's no right or wrong. That's all subject to negotiation and what you think is a fair deal. Why I right. always try and do a very good deal for my clients, the Broadway producers. Ultimately, I want to do a fair deal so that our partners are happy and that the following year they want to come back and do another promotion. And if it's Wendy's, and I assume this is geared to kids, those are matinee tickets that you have? Or? No, we don't give matinee tickets. We have to look at, um, we're going to look at our inventory and see what seats may be unsold. Right, and, that and there's no problem with an 8 o'clock curtain and children going, and they know what they're winning. So if they don't want to enter, they don't enter. Do you, do you get given an allocation of tickets that you can play with in this way? Or do you have to go to producers and say, listen, here's what I think Wendy's is good for this, this purpose and give me this many tickets? You know, I think it's important to talk a little bit about the start of a campaign in the marketing. And that's when we are working hand in hand with the advertising and the press agent to develop the entire marketing campaign. And I think that and, that and is something that has changed over the last 
10 to 15 years. Used to be where the ad agency just went off and operated in a vacuum, and the press agent placed their stories. But, Today, the, but they, they were both part of a production budget, right? Yes. But now you're also part of the budget? I'm part of the budget. Do they answer to you now, advertising uh, and PR? I think generally the different team members, the press agent, the ad agency, and a promoter person, uh, if a producer has an in-house marketing person, that's who they would go through. Mm -hmm. But what we have to do is work closely together. We need to see how much dollars the advertising agency has for placing media. And then I, as a promotion person, will look at and say, oh, we're putting $100,000 on radio. Well, I know that I can work with these three radio stations to develop a promotion. And we may need to spend advertising dollars to support that. So let's look at the best way to work with WPLJ and spend X amount of dollars, but also get a promotion on top of it. So everything that we're doing with the media, with the newspapers, with television and radio, we're looking at as a total picture. And, and to say that in a slightly different way, am, am I right in saying if, there's an, if, if a show has a $100,000 radio campaign mm -hmm. budget, what you can do is say that you'll take that $100,000, but perhaps offering giveaway tickets and stuff like that, they'll give you what would have amounted to $300,000 worth of airtime or something like that. Absolutely. Uh, promotion expands your budget. It also helps you to reach a new audience that you could not afford to reach. I, I reached millions and millions of children through the Wendy's promotion that we couldn't target directly. Uh, and it, it, it gives you an implied endorsement. When Saks Fifth Avenue creates windows around your show and uses your costumes and your sets, that's saying Saks Fifth Avenue thinks this is a good property. So that's something right. you can't pay for. Right. It's intangible. But in, in the radio idea that you were talking about, what's in it for the radio station? Why wouldn't they say, wait a minute, I want those $100,000 worth of ads. Well, I don't want to give do. you anything more. They do, and we'll negotiate with that so that we don't take money away from them, and they'll get what they need. Okay, what has been their objective to get our advertising dollars? But we'll also put together a promotion for them, which what do they want to do? They want to increase their listenership. Right. Whenever you do a partnership with someone, you need to know what that company's objectives are. What does the bank need out of this? What does a car dealership need? What does Pepsi-Cola need? And if you can create a promotion to satisfy their objectives, you're in a win situation. So the radio station, in addition to wanting advertising dollars, wants to create increased listeners. How do we do that? We put a prize package together. Win a high society trip to Paris. That's fabulous. People are going to want to enter that promotion. What do I do? I get the tickets. I get an airline. I get a hotel. And I provide all of that at no cost to the radio station. So I'm giving them something that traditionally they would have to pay for. I'm coming in and giving them this great promotion for a great Broadway show. They create the promotion spots, which gives me right. exposure. And, and then they both will, walked away as winners. But they will also run it a lot because from their standpoint, if somebody says, oh, listen to that station because you can win a contest, so they'll, people will, will... That's subject to the negotiation process, how often they run it. Now, also, I mean, what, what I think is implied in, in what you're saying is your, it's your responsibility to figure out that that's the radio station for this show. For example, a couple of years ago, I think you worked on Once Upon a Mattress. Now, Once Upon a Mattress is a show that you wouldn't necessarily take to a car dealership, right? I would have taken it well, to you'll a take car it to dealership, anything. absolutely. You would have found the connection. We, um, you don't always look for the creative connection. What you do look for is the company that markets their product to the same 
to the same outlet that we market our products. So who are we trying to reach in the theater? Traditionally, 35 to 54-year-olds, females. So therefore, I'm going to look for any company that spends their dollars to reach the same type of audience. Would I work with the Daily News for every single show? No. Would I approach them for Footloose or Blast? Absolutely. There's a compatibility there. So if there's a creative connection, then you can have a little bit more fun with it. So for Once Upon a Mattress, for example, my first phone call in the market was to dial a mattress because it was an obvious connection. And it so happens that they spend millions of dollars in the marketplace to promote their product. So we developed lots of promotions. We developed discount offers. A gift with purchase, which means come in and spend $300 on a mattress and get a free pair of tickets. We did VIP nights for their, some of their top customers. Wow. What they cared about was their logo identification in our advertising. That's what they wanted out of the relationship. And it became such a strong partnership that at the end of the day, we put their logo in our ads. Now, can I assume that when you call dial a mattress, you're talking to your counterpart on the other side, a marketing director there? It can be an advertising person. It can be a promotion person. It can be a public relations person. You have to find out the right person who controls the marketing for that product in the market. Sometimes I'm dealing with the corporate office. Sometimes I'm dealing with local regional people. It's a fact-finding mission. Yeah, but uh, you must have a wonderful black book of names. And I bet if you're <laughs> jealous for everybody else is jealous, they like them. But, but it's also matching. It, it, clearly, it's matching the right things to, to the right place. Right. Um, you mentioned on, on Mattress that you put the Dial-A-Mattress logo on your, um, on your poster. And I think there, there is a feeling that, that, that Broadway is becoming corporatized. Um, I mean, we were at the theater last night. We happened to be at the theater last night where a piece of scenery rolled on and said, Saks Fifth Avenue. Right. Um, is this a trend? Is this part of your job? Is this somebody else? It, it's part of my job. It could be other people's jobs. I mean, things like that get done in a different way. It could be the makeup, the wardrobe person. Mm -hmm. uh, for 42nd Street, we just approached MAC Cosmetics about providing the makeup for the females in the show, and they're doing it. And it's simply like a product, uh, loaning a product to the show. There's really no marketing campaign behind it. I think But we what all, do they get out of it? Um, they're going to get a credit in the playbill and uh, publicity potential. In, in the back, though. In the back right. of the playbill, it's not going to be, a, it's not a blatant bio, it's not a logo identification, it's mm. simply a credit. But if they're smart, they can use this to publicize it. And if they get one or two stories out of providing cosmetics to the cast of a big Broadway show, it will be well worth their while. Just uh, since we're on that, how many other kinds of products can do that? I mean, it would seem to me that makeup is fairly basic. For the theater, I mean, people, it actors depends, need makeup. It depends on what the show needs are. Maybe a show is using luggage, and they can do it. I think you have to take that show by show. But I think you brought up a good question, and I don't want to leave it, which is, is theater becoming too commercialized? I think if it's done in an appropriate way, and you're not jeopardizing the creative integrity of the show, then you're okay. I don't think we're in Olympics. I don't think you're going to start seeing the official car, the official bank, the official show, so-and-so. We don't want to do that. But if there's a good partnership um, and it's a solid campaign, then you, then you can co-promote it, so to say. Mm -hmm. uh, with How to Succeed in Business, we had a number called Coffee Break. Mm -hmm. And right away we said, hmm, there's something that we can do with that. And 8 o'clock coffee at that time had a major billboard on 46th Street. So we approached them, and the bottom line was six years later, 
uh, one of the producers still had the creative on that Broadway marquee. Uh, they turned over that whole billboard to us, and it was uh, how to start your day with uh, how to succeed in business started with 8 o'clock coffee. Mm -hmm. And then we dovetailed that and did a major sweepstakes promotion in all 300 supermarket outlets. And we had a blimp that went across the stage during the coffee break number. So what we did was put 8 o'clock coffee on that blimp. Now, there is advertising on blimps. Right. So it wasn't out of character that we, could, that we did that. But I think you have to be very careful when you approach the creative people on a show. You don't want to do anything that's in bad taste. So right. And in that instance, was everybody uh, cool about It was fun. Coffee? It just, the audience had a good time with it. They saw this blimp go across the right. stage, and it was perfectly fine. Have you ever gotten calls from a coffee company that had that idea themselves, or are you still the one who, who makes those connections? You know what, we're always, I, I'd love to say, boy, we've got a great show on Broadway and people are calling us and, and wanting to do these tie-ins. It seems my job is aggressively going after everybody else because these companies have lots and lots of opportunities in the marketplace, whether or not it's to promote the concerts at Madison Square Garden, the sporting events, there's no shortage there. And they can pick and choose what they do, and they don't have to do anything. At the end of the day, what they have to do is sell their car. Mm -hmm. Whether or not they choose to get involved with a promotion and a special sporting event or cultural event or dance show, they have to determine that. So we are aggressively going after these people and educating some of them as to what a joint promotion could be and how it would be effective. That's why, again, it's really important for us to do a good job and make sure they're happy so that they come back the following year. Well, that's great. Does it bother you that there are two Broadway theaters now, one of which has the name of an automobile and one of which has the name of an airline on it? Um, yes and no. I understand what the theater and or the producer is getting in exchange for calling it the Ford's Theater, and it is multi-millions of dollars in cash donations as well as support marketing that equals that, if not more. On the other hand, would I like to see every theater in Broadway have that commercial identification? I don't think so. So I guess we have, there are mixed feelings about it. I was bothered that the other day I saw, and I don't remember where this was, it, was, it said that these companies had built Broadway theaters, which is not the case at all. Absolutely. So I, I, I wondered if that was marketing taking over too, too much. Right. But you know, in, in every other form of entertainment, uh, whether or not it's the venues that have concerts around the country or even the theaters that have Broadway touring shows or the rock and roll concert uh, performers that go around the country, 99% of them all have sponsor. Mm -hmm. So this is a widely form done of marketing and one that we absolutely, absolutely need to do and has real value in the marketplace. Well, let's talk about sponsorship. First of all, can you define what sponsorship actually means in terms of the theater? Sure. Sponsor is when a company gives a cash contribution uh, to the show for the producer, and uh, he spends that accordingly, probably on marketing of the show. But in return, that sponsor is identified as the sponsor in all advertising, promotion, public relations materials. There are complimentary tickets that are given to them. They get some signage at the theater. They get identification in the playbill. It's almost as if they are positioned as the producer or presenter of the show. So it may say, um, Hallmark mm -hmm. presents the Sound of Music. That was not only a sponsorship, but it was also an investment. 
But the, the sponsorship money that you're talking about, when a sponsor gives the producer money for all this stuff, that's usually outside of the investment of the show, the limited partnership. Correct. Not, absolutely. Those are two different functions. The sponsor gives money for marketing. The investor, that's a whole other uh, fiduciary relationship. And so the Hallmark one on The Sound of Music it was, was different because they were also they investors. They did both, right. They did both. Right. So and the sponsorship is really their negotiation package is to get all this marketing exposure. That's what they're buying into, to get access to these tickets, to be positioned as the sponsor, to get their identification at the theater and reach all the tens of thousands of people going to the show. And did you get Hallmark? Did you make the Hallmark connection? No, I wish I had, but I didn't. The producers did that themselves. But then... But that was your show, right? No. No, you Sound didn't work on that. Music I okay. didn't work on. I'm just curious if a producer makes a connection like that, and maybe you have another, for instance. If a, if a connection is made by a producer, then what's your job once it's been made? It could be to implement the program. In other words, there's a lot of work involved in seeing that that logo gets in the newspaper ads or that they get their complimentary tickets or that they then conduct a promotion in all of the card stores. So it's a very detailed process of uh, negotiating the deal and making sure everybody, both parties do what they're supposed to do. Well, that's neat. Now, once a show is opened and running, um, I know that every producer who's ever produced a show on Broadway hopes that the New York Times and everybody else will love it on opening night. You will not be able to get a ticket for the next five years. And the reality of it is not, that doesn't happen very often. So I assume that, again, like the airlines, there are still going to be tickets that are going to be empty every night or most every night of, of a show. You know what? I think the smart producer today should market as if they're not going to get good reviews. We always sit at a market, an advertising uh, agency meeting and say, we are not going to get good reviews. What do we do now to build up that awareness, and what do we do the day after the reviews come out? So we are never anymore waiting for those reviews and, and uh, sitting there thinking that's going to de determine our fate. We have a full marketing campaign ready to go. It's usually a very aggressive campaign. It will position us very positively, no matter what the reviews are, because at the end of the day, if you can wait it out, and you, if, you, if it's unfortunate enough that you get the bad reviews, but you can wait it out to try and build an audience, and if your audience likes the show, you can make it. Uh, it used to be we sat around and waited for the reviews, and if they were lousy, very often you'd close soon after that. We need to bring in the general public. They're our best form of advertising. If they like the show, they're going to tell someone to go see it. So we just have to be ready that whatever happens that day with the reviews, the next day we're on the air and radio, we'll have quotes. No matter what, you'll find good quotes and people to say something good about it. And we've got our promotions in place with our partnerships, and we have a full campaign ready to go. And is, is the amount of money you have to spend in direct correlation to how aggressive you can be? You know, it's funny because Ringling Brothers, the way they determine how they spend the money in the marketplace is they actually just put an advertising budget together of what they need to spend. And then they look at the reality of what they're bringing in. The Broadway community doesn't do that yet. We have limited funds, and there's only so much you can spend on marketing because, again, there's only so much you can sell. Right. So whether or not it's 10% or 15% of your budget, we also look at various timing of the year. What do you spend at previews? If you're not going to sell a ticket in advance, how do you want to position yourself? Do you want to keep minimal exposure out there and then wait until post-opening? Or do you have a big hit coming in and you want to spend up front? So it might be that we spend more money pre-Tony Awards when we have something to shout about. 
and then lie back a little mm -hmm. bit afterwards. Um, that's all part of the positioning and the marketing process. And, and it's you and the producers and the, and the advertising agency and the and the press agent who are all discussing this. Everybody has an opinion about oh, that. Oh, well, that's, that's the theater. Right. That's the, now, you, you are a freelance marketing Yes, I have my own now. marketing company. Why did you make that choice? Because I wanted to work for a variety of producers uh, and have the opportunity to do promotions and develop campaigns in that uh, respect, rather than work for a particular producer and well, I know that you have worked with the Dodgers, who, mm -hmm. have, who are known as being very aggressive marketers and have been for a number of years. And you still do all their shows, right? I still work on all their shows. I'm very fortunate in that. They're, they're, uh, they have lots of great visions, and they also want to do things differently. Sometimes that's good and sometimes it's bad. But if there's an opportunity for them to do something different and no one's done it before, and it makes any sense at all, they'll go for it. Again, it may not be smart in the long run, but we'll have learned a lot. And, tell, and, me about, uh, tell me about something that wasn't smart. Oh, absolutely not. Oh. <laughs> um, I will tell you something that, um, for example, we... Uh, or that didn't work, I could Didn't work. We'll, we might do a direct mail campaign instead of using a subscriber base of <clears throat> other Broadway show constituents. In other words, you have access to the Lincoln Center consumer subscriber base. Mm -hmm. So we could take their subscribers and do a direct mail campaign to them. That's very targeted because we know that those people go to the theater. Right. So that's a very common thing to do. But what if I could do a promotion with uh, the members from the National History Museum, Natural History Museum? Right. Well, I'm going to target a new base that on paper looks good. It's mostly female. It's 35 to 54. So we might test that and develop the direct mail piece and spend the money to <coughs> publicize it and mail it and mm -hmm. fulfill it. And at the end of the day, maybe it didn't pull as well as the Lincoln Center list. But we tested it. We had a promotional relationship. So or go after an MTV list for Footloose or something like right, that. Right, which we did all of that. We were on radio stations that we had never bought before, but there was a real um, tie-in with some of the classic rock stations who could then promote it with their advertisers. Do, do the Dodgers or other producers ever say, you know, I think the Daily News is day class say I don't want my show in there? Absolutely. I mean, the, and that's part of the process, really, of working with the different departments. The ad agency may have their feeling about it. The press agent may feel differently. And then I may go into the meeting and say, but if we spend $20,000 on PLJ, I'm going to get $100,000 of promotion. So then we might say, then that's worth it. Mm -hmm. We might not have spent that money, but if someone is then going to dovetail in and do $100,000 of promotional time, it's worth spending the money. It seems you have a couple of pieces here, and these are all shows that the Dodgers are involved with, are they not? I mean, we talked uh, about the 42nd Street. Absolutely. This is a campaign that we did with the Music Man, and it was interesting how this happened. Um, we have a spectacular finale that I don't want to ruin for anybody, but right. um, we have a relationship with Yamaha who was approached to provide musical equipment for the entire cast, which... Because it's out of the norm, right? It's not like a, it, it's, it's not yes, an orchestra Yes, it's not the orchestra pit. That's all I'll say about it, but... <laughs> yes, uh, it's worth it. I've seen it, and I won't give it away there either, is but a, it's worth it. There was a lot of musical equipment that we <laughs> needed, so I approached Yamaha about providing the equipment at no cost, of which they ultimately did. And what they got in exchange was uh, credits in the playbill, exposure on our website, and we developed a promotional tie-in with one of their most important retailers in the market, 
uh, Sam Ash, right. who has more music stores than anyone in the country. And Sam Ash promoted a sweepstakes, whereby consumers could enter to win all around the country and win a weekend in New York, tickets to the show, and a Yamaha trombone, as played by Professor Harold Hill in The Music Man. So it became a win-win situation for three different parties. Uh, we got this terrific exposure on a direct mail campaign that went to over 400,000 people, plus there was point of sale in over 30 locations. Uh, Sam Ash conducted the promotion whereby tens of thousands of people then went to the stores to enter. And um, I, I, This may be a naive question, but I also assume that part of this is um, the idea of sort of an ad. Somebody might see that and not enter the, the sweepstakes, but say, oh, I'm coming to New York. Maybe I'll see that show. Absolutely. I mean, that's sort of a subliminal thing. Absolutely. And it's hard to test how effective you were. I mean, we yeah. do many promotions in the supermarket, for example, because we get tagged on all their radio. They put our ad in their millions of circulars, posters up in the window, in-store public affairs announcement, uh, public address announcements. And you can't really judge the effectiveness by how many people who entered the contest because hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, are seeing the identification of the show in a very positive light. Mm -hmm. So that alone we know is, is an important part of the process of marketing, especially when it doesn't really cost us any hard cash. Yeah. What are we putting into it? We're putting in tickets that may right. not be sold anyway. See, that's, that, I think that's, that's key, it seems to me, to, to, to marketing, is what you, what you, one of the tools that you have is, is a ticket which, you know, people in the industry may know isn't going to be sold, but the people who are entering this, the sweepstakes don't know that. Absolutely. And we, um, it's certainly important part of the process of any show that I work on to develop the promotional partnerships. When, when you do a Sam Ash promotionship that involves um, bringing somebody to New York and putting them up at a hotel, what's in it for the airline and what's in it for the hotel? Well, if I call an airline to get two free tickets, they're going to say to me, what's in it for me? So then there's that negotiation process, and what I have to do is give them exposure. So it may be in the case of Sam Ash that they're included on all the point of sale that went to the stores. So we will say the airline will come that fly That they will on get identification, air. absolutely, or that their logo will be featured on this direct mail piece that went to 400,000 people. Mm -hmm. And what are they giving me? Probably two airlines. So that's all part of the negotiation. And, and I see also that the hotel in New York, in that instance, has its logo on the And on we the made area. a great partnership with this hotel. Um, Doubletree has done lots of promotions for Broadway theater, and we are currently working with several hotels on partnership packages because uh, what we can do is package the room and theater tickets. And we can each uh, do it at a reduced price so that instead of, for example, if theater tickets are $90 and a hotel room is 250 that would have been at retail $340, we can put together a package that would sell for $250. But now where, that's different than a, than a sweepstake. Where would that be advertised and promoted? That, for example, we're doing that now with the Hilton Hotel on 42nd Street. And I, uh, that was promoted on uh, two million inserts that were sent to Hilton Hotel Honors members. They tagged their insert with that identification. I produced uh, bill inserts that are handed out to every person that checks into the hotel. It says, stay at the best hotel and see the best show on Broadway for a spectacular price. So I'm getting exposure to over 600 people every night over a six-month period on the show. We also have two giant banners in the lobby.
So it's a partnership. Right. What is the hotel getting? They got some tickets. They have a terrific way now to sell their rooms. Um, and they have a neighbor and in town. So it works, it works yeah. terrifically to unite and join forces to develop a campaign. And are you given a, a, a set amount of tickets for that campaign? Or is that one of those kind of things where it can be flexible depending on yeah, how? No, I mean, it, it's flexible from the degree that the producer. You know, when I start a show, I don't, I don't look at it individually. What do I need? I'm looking at the big picture. Mm -hmm. And I'm figuring out what's the best way to use a certain number of tickets that I know I have the rights to. Mm -hmm. So I, I won't just focus on, well, this Sam Ash promotion. I'll say, where's the most effective place for me to get my message out? Is that newspaper, radio, TV, or is it a retail partner? Which sort of brings us to this one, which, which, which fascinates me. This is the Daily News, very current, win tickets and dinner with the cast for right, Blast. Right. Now, this is a color. I mean, this, was this a standalone or is this? Uh, actually, this, this was fabulous. I mean, you can't, wow. you literally can't buy this because this was packaged over the comic section okay. on a Sunday and it was over the entire newspaper. So this page was featured as the cover of the Daily News wow. on the Sunday that came out. They don't sell that. It's not an advertising placement. Uh, this had to do with us spending a certain amount of advertising dollars in the newspaper to get this. Uh, so you, you had to agree to take ads that cost $100,000 or whatever? And not necessarily $100,000 because this is a great promotion for the Daily News. It's attracted attention, right. um, but it is a negotiation process. process. And normally when you, when you work with the media, cash usually comes into it. It's mm. not the same when you work with a car dealership. Mm -hmm. But what does the newspaper, TV, and radio station need at the end of the day? They want to generate advertising dollars. That's their first objective. Secondly, they want to do a promotion that increases readership. Mm -hmm. So uh, we had to talk about what a great grand prize would be because they were not going to do a promotion that reached millions of people and have a, a mediocre grand prize. So we put together something great and unusual that you can't buy, which is dinner with the cast. Is that one dinner with the whole cast? Or well, is that we many have dinners ten with winners are getting um, to bring four guests. So there will be 40 people for dinner with the cast at a restaurant that participates in promotions with me, and they'll get an autographed CD and uh, to meet and greet the cast. And then there are hundreds of other winners who get pairs of tickets to see the show. I mean, that seems very, very clever because, among other things, nobody knows who any, but, I mean, any of the cast is. And if three of them don't want to go, no one's going to know the difference. But right. if you did that for, you know, for Once Upon a Mattress with Sarah Jessica Parker and she didn't show up, I would think that would not be such a cool thing. And you know what? I wouldn't want to do it and promise them Sarah Jessica Parker unless I knew she would do it. Yeah. So we're very careful yeah. not to overpromise. When we work with the department stores on cast appearances and performances, I need to know who from the show is going to want to do that and who won't want to do that. Right. And I may have to stay away from the stars and supplement with some of the chorus members. Or right now we're trying to set up a promotion with Eric McCormick, our new leading man for the Music Man, to do uh, an autograph at a, at a retail location. And do you get to d deal with those stars directly or do you have to go through I work. I work through the press agent. That's the easiest way to do that because they have day-to-day -day contact with the mm -hmm. cast. That's their job to set up all the interviews and they are working with them daily. So the, the process that we found was most effective was for me to work through the press agent and let the press agent approach the cast. How, how did somebody train to be a marketing director? What, what's important in a background? I think you have to have a lot of chutzpah. <laughs> um, Which you either are born with or learn? Well, you know what? The definition of a promoter was one who obtained, obtains by trickery. And I thought, that's me. That's a perfect, that's a perfect, <laughs> like th I can do that job. 
but I think it, it's put the right spin on it, the positive spin on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think if um, a person is in school and has a good solid education and takes maybe it's advertising courses where you learn the basics of advertising or it could be public relations courses. They don't have promotion type courses. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're getting that marketing background through school and then you have practical experience, and that can be with agencies, it can be with the events themselves, whether or not it's a Ringling Brothers or a sporting event or a venue, a Madison Square Garden, or a Pepsi-Cola in their product department. I mean, they do marketing. You're getting a lot of education. And then I think that's very valuable education to bring to Broadway producers. We want to teach the Broadway producers what Pepsi does to market their product, because at the end of the day, we have a product that we have to sell. It's interesting that nowhere in what you, what you just said did you talk about theater training. Do you think that that's kind of irrelevant? No, I think that would be really important also, because you learn about the theater. But I think if you're going to come into this role as a marketing person, I think it's more important to learn the marketing then you can learn the theater because it's all again about buying and selling. So and it, I could learn the you, banking business I was say, if could, I chose to. Yeah. Um, you could be doing this for a bank. You could be doing this for anything. Absolutely, and there are my counterparts that do. So I think working for the the theater in the theater business is. I mean, you could work for the ad agency and learn the advertising business from the ground up. But I think having a basic marketing background is very helpful to the process. And your background is marketing, yes? My background, I was very fortunate, was in advertising, promotion, and public relations. I was very lucky outside of school to get involved with some of our country's leading entertainment events. They were, uh, whether or not it was Ringling Brothers or the American Freedom Train that traveled around the country or the World's Fair or I was the public relations director of the Olympics. Um, wow. I learned on the job, and I was fortunate enough to learn those different disciplines. A lot of the people in this industry know only advertising right. or only press. I have been in charge of the advertising or the press or the promotion or sponsorships, so I'm really able to look at the much bigger picture. And so you took a look at Broadway and thought, because you are a pioneer in this in this industry for on Broadway, so you does that make me old? No, not at all. Oh, okay. Not at all. Good. No, okay. pioneers are okay. you know, started <laughs> okay. um, at all times, um, but that that is the case. I mean, you you sort of saw that there was a need on the Broadway, which perhaps Broadway didn't even realize was a need. I I did actually. Um, certainly, there were the advertising agencies and the press agents, but I didn't see anyone who was functioning as a promotion person. And that's not to say that we haven't had phenomenal producers who have been a little wackier than others, <laughs> and whether or not they're showmen or Alexander Cohn or David Merrick, no one would ever say that they didn't develop promotions. Right. But in terms of a really coordinated, orchestrated marketing effort, whereby the ad agency, press agent, and a promoter-type person work hand-in-hand, hand, um, I didn't see that happening in the theater. And I didn't see a lot of aggressive promotions and contests and giveaways and charity yeah. tie-ins and all the wonderful things that we could do to market and promote the theater. And uh, I think producers for a long time felt we have a very upscale product. We certainly don't want to cheapen the image. Mm -hmm. But they didn't understand there's a way to market that's fun and exciting and beneficial and smart that and doesn't cheapen the product. And that's what they needed to be exposed to. And once they were exposed to it and saw what it could do, I the think life. they're all very aggressive now and trying to do as much as they can creatively. But how did you get your first clients, and how, does, how would one get clients in this world? 
One of the first opportunities I had was uh, on Big River uh, with the Dodgers, yeah. and they were looking for a sponsor. And I happened to be working at a sponsorship agency at that point, so they hired our agency. An agency to that, look that for finds a sponsor. I see. Okay. We never found one, but that's how I met them. Uh, another opportunity came where I was working for concert promoters who were very aggressive people in the marketplace, and they know about handling and promoting from way back when, and they were bringing a show into the market called Uptown That's Hot, mm -hmm. and they said, who's going to market and promote our show? And they had hired my agency to look for a sponsor for their concerts in Philadelphia, so I said, well, they're really to promote it. So in that capacity, I was able to meet some of the press agents, some of the advertising people. And it's a small community, and right. I made some invaluable, wonderful relationships. And after leaving Madison Square Garden as director of marketing, I reestablished contact with that community. Mm -hmm. And a couple of the producers hired me to work on their shows. And it was sort of the beginning of producers seeing what could be done through some of these important relationships. What did the Big River producers want from sponsorship? Cash and or marketing exposure. I think the smart producer, again, will not only look at this as a means for generating cash because they are basically fully funded from investors. The sponsorship dollars are, are in a sense, gravy, important that you can use for it. But the smart producer today will negotiate for not only cash, but plus we want you to develop promotions around it. Because again, that's what we can't afford to do. We can't afford to do that marketing in the supermarkets. Um, what they can do and put behind it is invaluable in terms of advertising. So. Whenever we negotiate these important sponsorship relationships, equally as important to the cash could be the marketing that they could put behind it. When I think it was, it was either Visa or MasterCard developed a campaign for Chorus Line mm -hmm. on the road, I think 50% of their commitment was to create a television spot around the country that promoted a Chorus Line. What it did was save the individual presenters from having to make any TV buy in their market because of what the credit card company had spent in the market. Oh, I see. That's, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. Right. You may notice that when a lot of the shows open up, there's an affiliation with American Express, right. who has come into this market and done a tremendous amount for the Broadway industry by establishing this priority gold card program right. Right. Where they ha whereby they have an access to a certain number of seats to sell to their consumers. And what they're promoting is, we have the best seats in the house. And what they do is put, put a substantial amount of media behind it. Right, but they buy those tickets, right? Their customers buy the tickets at full price, right. but they spend advertising dollars to promote the right. association. So in that case, it's a really strong positive win for I the Broadway so. producer. But they've they got to pick a show that they can sell their tickets, That's clearly. Right. That's right. Now, are there specific courses in marketing separate and apart from courses in advertising and courses in promotion, or is that all sort of part of, part of the same thing? I think they're I, I'm not sure on this, but I think today in college they're probably segmented to advertising or press. Um, you know, one of the best educations you're going to get, again, is by working for that theater, that venue, Madison Square Garden, or going on the road with Ringling Brothers and being sent out in the market to promote. You learn everything. You learn how to do the advertising, how to do the promotion, how to do the press, and that's invaluable experience. Uh, one of the first jobs I had was a road job with the American Freedom Train 
where I had to do all of it, and I had no idea how to do it. I learned what, on the road, but we learned. What is the American Freedom Trail? Oh, I boy, I guess I didn't do my job well in no, this no, no, market. No, no, where no. were you doing the I'm in New York, or I go to Broadway. <laughs> I guess so. We were at the Belmont, Theater, uh, Belmont Racetrack. Uh, the Freedom Train was the country's largest bicentennial event. It was 36 cars pulled by a steam locomotive carrying all original artifacts and documents. We had the Constitution. We had Paul wow. Revere's light. I mean, we had things today that we would never get on board the train. And it was funded by Pepsi-Cola, Kraft, Prudential, and General Motors. And we stopped in every state, and we were seen by over 16 million people. And there was a whole advanced team of people who went into the market to buy the advertising, do the promotions, do the press, order the portable toilets, get the hotel for the train staff. I had to do everything from nuts and bolts, and that's how I got the education of doing what I did. And it was the marketing people that were at the headquarters were all Ringling Brothers people. I see. They had hired, so we learned so, sort so, of via Ringling Brothers. Yeah, so, so part of your task was you don't want to be left out, right? Your town doesn't want to be left out, or did you want, I mean, what did you want out of this? That really wasn't me. That was all the, the people, um, the corporate people who then would meet with the town's right. folks. At that time, there was either uh, the Bicentennial Committee or it was the mayor's office. Uh, that's right. This is the biggest bicentennial but, event. You want to bring this into your town. But then you, you would go and say, you want these people staying in your hotel. Well, no, I'd go to them and say, we have to sell tickets. Now we have to sell tickets and get people in. We have to spend right. advertising dollars. Take me to General Foods. We have to get a car. We have to do all this. All of the nuts and bolts about putting people up in a hotel were more of the technical aspects. I, I was still trying to put rear ends and seats right. so to say, and this time the seats were a moving walkway. Have you ever been in a situation where, where a producer has a show that you think you can't sell for love nor money? I would probably not take on that show then. I wouldn't want to get caught in the middle and overpromise and not deliver, so I'm very careful about that. I mean, certainly, maybe it's easier to sell the big musicals, something that appeals to the most number of people. If a show is very segmented, and only appeals, maybe it's to teenagers, or it might only appeal to a black audience. It's going to be, it might be harder to promote. So, but a bigger potential, but a challenge, and you can absolutely do um, a lot of things. And something we haven't talked about also is what we call grassroots marketing. Mm -hmm. And that's also the nuts and bolts of what you do to sell a ticket. And that may mean with 42nd Street visiting each dance studio and making sure their customers know about the show because there's that logical connection. And it may mean getting our window cards up in as many locations as possible, but it's that grassroots marketing on a one-to-one -one basis that also should become part of marketing every show. And is that, so if, if you on 42nd Street want every dance studio to have information about 42nd Street, that's just general promote. I mean, that, that's general? That means hiring a person, whether or not it's an intern or young people just getting started in the business to personally go to every single dance studio, give them promotional materials, maybe sell them tickets at a discount. Right. It's not part of the bigger picture. It's not reaching millions of people through advertising. It's not establishing a relationship with a car company who can promote the show. But it's grassroots, one-to-one, -one, targeting those people that you know are interested in your show. For Blast, which is a spectacle on stage of 60 people playing musical instruments, we wanted to hit every musical store and every band mm -hmm. in the tri-state area. That's not something I'm doing 
for music man, so right. to say, but the bands are a natural audience. So we had to find out how to get to them, how to get to every single school, offer discount opportunities for them. And that's right now making up about 40% of our audience. That, that's amazing. And you do track the, the percentage of the audience that you can, that you can... You know, you can do that with group sales. You can do that with a discount offer. When I do a sweepstakes, again, it's hard for me to tell who is brought in by people entering to win and who has seen that message. But if you do a discount offer, that's coded. And so we're able to see how many tickets we sold through that. Or certainly with the group sale, we know exactly who we're selling to. Do you work with the traditional group salespeople, the, what everybody refers to as the Hadassah ladies? And, you know. Pretty much. But again, that's something a lot of the producers are starting to do in-house to supplement what some of the group salespeople do. Because mm -hmm. in the theater community, you have several group salespeople who represent a lot of shows. So it might be in that producer's best interest to have their own marketing people and group salespeople who only represent their show. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to ask you about, you, you mentioned car dealerships, and I have gone to a, to a couple of shows where there's suddenly an automobile in the lobby, and I think, what's an automobile doing here? How do those work? Uh, recently, there was a deal done with the Nederlanders who own one of the theaters, and Mercedes-Benz came in and did a... Uh, marketing partnership that then was transcribed over to Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. So part of what the car company got was to display their car in the lobby of a Broadway theater. Now, those deals are few and far between because our theaters aren't large enough. Right. <laughs> Very often those type of deals might be done with the Madison Square Garden. But what did Mercedes-Benz get at, out of it? They were able to reach 2,000 people every night who went to see the show. Saturday Night Fever? Well, maybe it was a little less than 2,000 people, but no, no, they I'm were just thinking, hoping that it was... I just wouldn't think that Mercedes-Benz, I wouldn't think Mercedes-Benz and the crowd that goes to Saturday Night Fever would be the same. Um, you know, um, several of us did question that relationship, but I wasn't part of it, so I don't want to comment on it too much. But you can't put a home But believe me, I have subsequently called Mercedes-Benz and said, well, what about this show? This might be a little bit more upscale. But for whatever the reason was, they saw that as a as a partnership opportunity, whether or not it was through television advertising, they did create a commercial for them, uh, and whether or not they look at that as a good partnership, I'm not sure, but... Um, How should someone prepare to enter this field if they, if they decide that this is something that intrigues them? Again, I think they just learn marketing, basic marketing, and whatever practical jobs they can have, whether or not it's through the theater or through advertising agencies or corporate agencies. Uh, they will learn the business and um, just be a part of the team in whatever singular aspect that they would like to learn the most about. What, what trends do you see for the future? I think it's going to be more and more what sponsorship has been. I think now the producers have seen what effective promotional partners do an advertiser. But it takes time. It's expensive. It's not small change. Uh, it's a very competitive field. But I think more and more within the next five years, you might see most Broadway shows have an individual sponsor. The League of, uh, has been very effective that controls mm -hmm. the theater community in bringing in sponsors to various League functions. But I think the actual sponsors will also get tremendous benefits by associating with a particular show. The League can't do that for them. They can yeah. bring them in as an overall sponsor. Yeah, no, Jed Bernstein, who runs the League, explained to me once how the Continental Airlines official Broadway the official airline of Broadway worked for them because they were coming into the New York market through Newark and wanted to establish themselves as a New York entity. And what better than Broadway to establish themselves? Right. The connection. Right. With. But then in establishing 
Continental with a particular show, the lead can't do that right. for them. That right. needs to be done by the individual right. Broadway producer. So I think uh, because it's a fabulous package for an advertiser, and if the producers are smart, they won't outprice themselves, um, but realize what the potential partnership can do in general for them. How many of the producers um, have in-house marketing people these days? I think probably the bigger producers do, because don't forget, they might do two or three shows a year. So they can afford to have an in-house marketing person as opposed to the producer who might only do one show a year. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that those producers shouldn't have a marketing person, um, possibly as a consultant on the marketing team, uh, to work with them. So I would say the bigger producers have and that might be four or five. And what influences your charges when, as a freelancer, if you're going to if you're going to be the uh, the marketing person on a show? What, what I look at the value of what I deliver as well as the time it took to work on the project. Um, quite honestly, I think if some of these promotion campaigns were developed for other corporations, we might be paid a much greater fee because some of these promotions are campaigns that are valued well over hundreds of thousands of dollars. But again, there's only so much you can charge in this business because there's only so much the producer takes in. So you just want to establish a fair relationship right. where you feel that you're being paid fairly for the work that you do. And there's certainly a living here. And I think a lot of people that become involved in the theater do so as for love for the theater. Well, you also you can send out a Sam Ash thing and the show can close and you don't want to be in that position. And I've been in that position. So you have to go into that knowing what the ups and downs are. And I, I would recommend everyone is always honest with their partners and tell them if there's a show that uh, has the potential of not making it and you're entering into a relationship with someone, they know that going into it. And if the show doesn't make it, there's a backup plan as to what do we do to satisfy these sweepstakes prizes when the show closed before right. the sweepstakes ended. You have to give them always, something. You have to give them something. You have to make good on it. It may be another show. Uh, it may be a comparable prize, but most importantly, you want to make sure your partners always know the truth and know the ups and the downs, And because, uh, again, it's all about getting them back to, for the next promotion and the next show. Any, uh, any sponsorship and marketing things that, that you're, you've been after for a long time that you're waiting to? You know what? I'd like to get the banks more involved in Broadway. I think that they're uh, a perfect example of a company that can do a lot of different promotions on a lot of different levels, whether or not it's discounting or uh, sending people into the bank to open up a new CD account can get a free pair of tickets or having the cast participate at bank functions. Uh, I would like to tackle those a little bit more aggressively, and I don't think they've come into play as much as they should. And the part of the problem with that is they take a long time to make a decision. Um, when companies are spending advertising dollars, many of those advertising deci decisions are made a year, a year and a half out. And there's your problem with the Broadway show. They might only be formulating their plan to come into New York six to nine months out. So the timing can hurt us, which is why it's very important for a promotion-type person to know who in the market has the capability of making quick decisions and making changes all the time. Well, I think if anybody can conquer the banks, you are the one. And I think Thanks, on that Ted. note, um, thank you very much for doing this. This has been fun. We could go on all day. Okay. Well, next time. The American Theatre Wing's Guide to Careers in the Theatre is a project of the American Theatre Wing and the New York Public Library's Billy Rose Theatre Collection, Theater on Film and Tape Archive.